Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken, and we are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and we have a great interview today that's not only timely, it's relevant today, if anything has ever been relevant, but it's also timeless, the insights that we're going to gain from my friend, Lenora Billings-Harris. But we'll be back to her in just a moment. Just a couple of reminders. If you've got a story of amazing customer service you'd like to share, a question you'd like me to answer, you can send it to any of the social media channels. You'll find me almost everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, I am there. And remember to use the hashtag Ask. Shep, I'll, ask you, I'll answer the questions either right there, maybe on this show, or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, YouTube even now. We have it on YouTube. It's amazing. It's everywhere, just kind of like social media is. Anyway, we have great segments, great guests. Please join us there. All right, let's get into the interview. My friend, Lenora Billings-Harris, is an award-winning author, a thought leader, and an international speaker in the areas of, and this is where it's important today, inclusion, diversity, and unconscious bias. And she is going to share some information with us today about what we can do in our own environments to better give our customers, our colleagues who are our internal customers, and really the people around us a better experience by being very aware of, uh, really the etiquette, the proper way to act, the uh, issues that are happening today. And uh, she gave me a quote right before we came on and she can start with that, with a Maya Angelou quote. I'll let her give it to us, but hey, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Hi, Shep. Thank you so much for inviting me to be with you today. I'm really thrilled to have this opportunity. I am, and you and I have known each other for how many years, 30 years maybe? Gosh, it's been about 30, and we even traveled the world together. That's what I was going to say. About five or six years, one of the highlights of my stint as president of the National Speakers Association was when you were president of the International Federation for Professional Speaking. I don't know if I said that right, but, but we traveled a lot of the same events together. Uh, we were in Singapore. Uh, uh, we were, did we go to South Africa together? Did that South one Africa. Year? Okay, we did get there. Yeah, um, we we were everywhere. It seemed. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I loved when uh, we went to Australia. Remember yeah. that one? That mm-hmm. that dive we stayed in. <laughs> Shh, we shouldn't tell okay. anyone. That. <laughs> we had our best time in Malaysia. We did. Oh, that's Malaysia, right. We when went we went eat. and we went to find your husband one of those pens, and I negotiated. Yes. And the guy we were with said. <laughs> Pretty soon, you, they're not going to make any money. I go, well, that's their problem. You said to negotiate with these people. Do you remember? <laughs> that was fun. All right. Give us a real quick background. Who is Lenora? So Lenora, you know, I think I, I got the bug uh, to do this work in DNI when I was about five or six, because I remember having arguments with my grandfather when he would say something that we now know would be a a biased uh, comment. Um, But moving fast forward, um, my background was corporate, actually. I worked for one of the uh, U.S. automotive manufacturers. I worked um, also in the Graduate School of Business at University of uh, Michigan. And that's when I discovered that adults want to learn. So that gave me the impetus to do learning and development. And then 
1986, when I moved to Phoenix, I decided to start my own business and um, did not start in DNI, however. Well, it wasn't even DNI back then, it was just diversity. But I didn't like what I saw other people doing in this space. So I was doing all kinds of things customer service, um, leadership. I remember you were a competitor yeah. back then. That's right. <laughs> so I was doing all of those things. But as you know, Shep, we, we learn in the National Speakers Association that you need to focus and specialize. And you either need to specialize in an industry or a topic area. And so although I kept pushing away from diversity, because at that time, people doing the work, in my opinion, were very judgmental. And, uh, and that's so not my style. Um, what actually happened is just things started to happen to me personally um, that made me know I needed to find my own voice in this space. So I started the business in 86, but I started dabbling in DNI um, in 1991, but then in 1994, some things happened in South Africa, as a matter of fact, and I knew I needed to do this work. And so I, I work with organizations around the world, certainly in training and development and keynotes and that kind of thing. But what's taking up my time right now is really coaching executives on how to have uh, these listening sessions, how to have uncomfortable dialogues, and then also facilitating uh, with them the listening sessions and helping everyone to better understand how bias works and you know, answering some of the questions that I know you're probably going to ask me. Yeah. So yeah, racial bias topic of the day, topic of the month. And you know what, what, what could uh, derail the front page headline news of a worldwide pandemic where hundreds of thousands of people are sick, well, millions of people are sick and hundreds of thousands are dying? Racism. And uh, so uh, two things. Number one, I want you to quote the Maya Angelou uh, line. Yes. So she said that when people know better, they do better. Yeah. And yeah, my hope yeah. that most people will do better when they know better. All right. So I'm going to take a risk right now. Um, I can't call him a friend, but I can call him an acquaintance. I see him maybe once a year. His name is Ice McDonald. He's a black magician, uh, a, a stage performer magician, not like, a, you know, a tarot card reader, whatever, <laughs> a witch doctor kind of. No, he's a great magician, award-winning magician who was president of one of the major magic organizations. And he wrote an article long before today, several years ago. And actually, I, I took a piece of that and gave attribution to him. And he starts off with the joke, what do you call a black magician? The answer <laughs> is a magician. a magician. That's it. And, and it's like, and then he went on to explain, you know, why do we have to put the word black in front of me when I'm being hired to do a magic show? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been thinking about this for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, even with the Michael Brown incident that happened years ago in St. Louis, just six years ago, it's, it's years ago. And, and, you know, it seems like it, but let's go ahead and jump into this. We hear terms, diversity, uh, equity, inclusion, you know, how do you define these in today's environment? Because I think our people who are listening need to understand what all this means. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And what I, what I attempt to do in my work is I feel like I, it's my job to take all that stuff in with all the buzzwords, et cetera, and then figure out a way to make it make sense to the business person who doesn't have time to read all the stuff that, that I'm reading uh, and listen to all the podcasts uh, on this sub, the subject specifically. So let's start with diversity. Um, people tend to think diversity is about equal employment opportunity. Not so. EEOC and affirmative action, those are government regulations. They are the floor. They are the bare minimum of these are the things you absolutely cannot do, even though people do them anyway, but they because they find ways around it. Um, but diversity is really who's on your team. So if you truly want diversity of thought, which then allows you to be more innovative, make more money, all the metrics in business say that if you have diversity and inclusion in your business, you're going to do better than your competitors. So the first step is who's on your team. If everybody looks alike, sounds alike, talks alike, has the same values, you don't have diversity of thought. Now, of course, we all are individuals, so I'm not suggesting that people can't have other thoughts, but look at all of the faux pas that businesses have made that end up being on the front page or, or in the media somewhere because they didn't really think it through. The one that comes to mind, I won't say the brand, but when they came out with a sweater, a turtleneck sweater, and when you pull it up, it looked like blackface. And my immediate thought was, they did not have diversity around the table making a decision yeah. Who about it? that sweater. It's Somebody like, how could you not know that? There was diversity. That, that's exactly the point. So it, it needs to be diversity, but and that's who's on a team. But the next step is inclusion. Because if you have diversity, but you don't have a culture that includes people who are different, then you're still going to have those same mistakes, those same faux pas. And what happens in business so often is folks will say, well, you know, we brought, so let's, we're talking about race, for instance. So we brought black people in, but they just don't stay. Well, maybe they just don't stay because nobody is listening to them because no one is giving them respect and the dignity that other people get. They're in my world, we call them microaggressions. They're saying and doing things that make people feel uncomfortable. And so they exit. So as business leaders, your job is not only to build more diversity in your organization because it makes good business sense, but you also need to look at the inclusion piece. What is your culture? Uh, doing and saying. And as I've been doing these listening sessions, it's just astounding the things that people do or say unintentionally very often that cause people to shut down. Even if they don't quit, they shut down. So diversity, then inclusion, and then um, uh, the equity. other equity was the other thing that you had asked me about. And people get equity and equality confused. So when we're hearing the protesters talk about equality, they're really talking about equality as it relates to justice. So, you know, our, our legal system is supposed to be blind, that we would treat everyone equally. Um, and so that's where equality comes into play. However, we're human beings, we're filled with bias. So that, you know, that's why it's difficult. And then we have, you know, things that are built into the system. So equity means that you are gonna go out to find the best talent for whatever job it is you're looking for, whatever um, business that you have. And let's say you're looking for someone who's gonna be customer facing, because we're talking about customer service, and you wanna find the best talent for that particular job. Well, the first thing you have to do is get out, out of your own way and recognize that the best talent comes in lots of packages. 
So they don't all look alike. When you are looking to have an equitable organization, that means that you don't give everybody equally the same thing. Because, you know, Shep, when you and I were flying around the world and, and speaking to all of these organizations, what would work for you and what you would need to set up, for instance, even as a speaker, some of the things that you would need are different than what I would need. We're both excellent in doing what we do, but we need different things, different tools and um, different, different support. So we want to be equitable, which says, I see you as an individual. And now I want to create that environment and provide the tools that are going to enable you to do the best work you can do. So that's what equity would mean in the organization. So I've got a question. Um, call me naive, but I think this is an important question. You referred to uh, somebody in the group as black just now. Black, African-American. Uh, I hear people using both terms and I've been told that African-American was the right term, person of color was the right term, now it's offensive to them. What is the right term to use? So the answer to all Besides three of those- person. <laughs> the answer to all three of those is yes, <laughs> they're all correct. However, well, obviously if you're talking to an individual, you call them by their name, right? There's no absolute right answer, but let me give you the rationale or the thinking behind each one. When you're referring to a group and leaders, you know, oftentimes have to speak to a whole group and you might need to make a reference, the most formal in the US, the most formal would be African-American. However, there may be people in your group who are black, but they're not African-American. They don't come from the slave history in this country. If they happen to be from Jamaica, for instance, they don't want to be called African-American, even if they have citizenship here. So it would be more appropriate if you need to be broad to say black. People of color and people have strong feelings about that one way or another. So when you're talking internationally and you're wanting to be most inclusive, if you say people of color, now you're talking about not only black people, but you're talking about right. Latinx, you're talking about all the folks who have skin that is darker. Now, here's a little bit of background real quick. Some African-Americans prefer to be called African-Americans because it's out of respect. When you read about a person in a news article in most mainstream newspapers, the A in both African and American is gonna be capitalized. But you read that same article and they choose to use the word black instead, they're still talking about ethnicity and race of the person they're writing about, the B is small case. So it's a subtle, way of having institutional racism mm. so give me respect but when you're verbalizing it there's you know you're not seeing the term uh, right one way. right and you know what i i would never have thought of that because i i've been coached by some of my black friends to refer to black people as black people and be for mm -hmm. the exact same reasons they may not be from africa an african-american and a person of color is multiple colors because if I, if I, by the way, uh, I believe I'm a person of color if I go into mm -hmm. Nigeria, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm just the color white, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, let's take a short break. And when we come back, there's so much more I wanna ask you about, uh, about systemic racism, about how it shows up in the workplace and how officially it impacts the customer experience. Everybody, we are talking to Lenora Billings-Harris, the award-winning author, the thought leader, and international speaker in the areas of inclusion, diversity, unconscious bias. We're coming right back. Don't go away. 
Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating, and we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more, so the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and we are talking to Lenora Billings-Harris. So, people are well-intentioned. I know that I'm trying to be well-intentioned. What does, uh, you know, and hopefully I'm doing it right, okay, but what does that mean when they say, oh, he's well-intentioned, she's well-intentioned? What does that mean exactly? I I think the word intention comes up more than anything else uh, when I'm uh, speaking or delivering workshops, because everyone is saying, well, you know, I, I, I had good intention and, and they definitely will say that when something doesn't quite go right and the other person, the receiver of the communication or the behavior uh, is offended and the, the offender will say, oh, you know, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, which essentially means I'm well-intentioned, right? Here's the problem. I can't read your brain. So the only thing I have to measure from your words or your behavior is the impact. Now, that makes it really tough for every human being because how you interact with me as a black female and you as a white male is different than how you might interact with yet another black female, maybe that you don't know in the same way. So number one, we're all imperfect. We're going to make mistakes. I've been doing this work for so long and every now and then I still open mouth and insert foot. Now, hopefully I, when I learn, I do better. But the point is to not wait until you're perfect is not gonna happen. Lean into the discomfort. If you are coming from a place of good intention, then even when you mess up, people will understand that. But here's the thing, be willing to have the conversation. You'll know when you mess up between another person because you're watching their body language. Don't let that slide. Say, oh man, I think I just said something or I did something that might've been offensive. Would you please talk to me about it? Cause that, that was not my intention. Help me know. Now, some folks are gonna walk away, but other folks are going to, to share with you how it landed for them. Wow, I, I've got to tell you a very funny story. I was doing a speech for a client just last year before all of this was really uh, brought back up to the front page of the paper. And uh, the gentleman who helped me in the audience stood up and I said, what is your name? And he said, um, I don't remember what it was, but he was from Nigeria, thick Nigerian accent. Um, and so I said, I, and understand that I, I occasionally make jokes. So some, a woman stood up in the audience to help me. And she I said, what's your name? And she says, my name's Lenora. I said, oh, my wife's name is Lenora, which gets a laugh. By the way, my wife's not that, but it's, it's funny that the way I say it, and then the next woman that I ask, what's your name? And she'll say, Sandy. And I go, oh, my wife's name is Sandy. So that gets a laugh. And then the gentleman stood up to help me. And I said, what's your name? And he told me, I said, with, with that accent, where are you from? Nigeria. I love Nigeria. And that got a laugh. I was just in Nigeria two weeks ago. And I truly was. And, and the uh, next week, I got, uh, when I did my debrief with the client, the client said, we have a problem here. And I said, what? Um, 
we're worried that you offended the gentleman from Nigeria. I go, what are you talking about? When we were done, I went over and talked to him. I actually have a Nigerian name, Omawane, which means the child returns because I, they want me to come back. <laughs> you know, I have a great time. And, and uh, so the fact is the client, and by the way, it was one person that had a problem with it, okay? But that person went to the client and expressed the concern. And I said, I would personally like to talk to them to share my story, but also know that I had a great conversation with him I know I was joking about my wives' names, but that was so. My intention was never to, mm -hmm. you know. Anyway, I divert uh, or whatever. Digress. <laughs> let's. <laughs> so now I get the intention. Um, let's talk about systemic racism, and um, this is I hear it all the time. What does it mean? What's the problem? Mm -hmm. So first of all, recognize that. It's systemic because it has taken many, 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 many years to get to where we are, over 400 years. So this is not gonna get fixed quick. And the solutions are not all going to be solutions that everybody likes because you know as a leader, if everybody's happy, that means you're not doing anything, okay? So systemic racism essentially means all of those systems that are in place, whether they were put there intentionally or not, but the systems that have been put in place that create barriers for Black people. Now, it could be barriers for other people as well, you know, barriers for women, et cetera. But systemic racism, because we have such a history of having white be superior and black be subordinate, that there are systems in place that cause us to, us as black people, to not progress um, with pros um, prosperity as white people have. So get, let me give you an example, because uh, I, I like to try to paint pictures. Play, uh, picture yourself playing Monopoly. So you've got your little Monopoly piece, and at the beginning of the Monopoly game, you, you're given a certain amount of money, right? And then you throw the dice and you go around the board based on the dice, and you use your money to buy a property. Well, the person you're playing with is black, a black person. They don't get, they get their, their little um, Monopoly piece, but they don't get any money, and they can't start the game the same time you did. So you go around the board twice, you've bought, got property, you got more cards that gave you more money. And after you finish twice, finally, that black person can play now. There is no way they can financially catch up with where you are. So that's an example of how it's it a works. Metaphor. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. A, me a metaphor of how it works because um, when after World War II and the GIs came back and they were given money to help them buy um, homes, white guys got that, white people got that, not so much for black people because the banks weren't giving it to them. Really? So the wow. banks, so black people, uh, and, and the way wealth is moved in our country is through property. So you get married, you have kids, your kids either get uh, your home or you have saved enough because you have equity, you can help pay, pay for their college. That doesn't happen that way for many black people. Now, certainly it does for, for a lot, but when you look at the, the, you know, look at it broad scope to see what the impact is, um, then 
black people end up being behind. The same would be true for education because our education is based on property taxes. So depending on where you live, yeah, that's where you the money to go to goes. School. So those, those would be some examples. There are so many, but those would be yeah. some examples. Yep. So racism shows up in the workplace. We know it does. Mm -hmm. um, how does that, I mean, it's, this is almost an obvious answer based on all the things you've talked about so far today. You know, how does it show up? How does it impact the employee experience and the customer experience? So the way it shows up in the workplace, again, I, I come from a place of assuming positive intent. So I'm going to assume you have good intentions and later on, based on your behavior, I'll know whether you do or not. So now we all show up at work. I actually get my foot in the door um, because Lenora is not an ethnic name. However, if, I, if it was Letitia or any other kind of ethnic sounding name that would be attributed to black people, I'd have to try five times to your one to get in the door in the first place. So right. that's- And that's a stat and a fact. That's, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. irrefutable, right. All based on research. So I, find, I get my foot in the door. Um, and then additionally, how racism will continue to show up is maybe the way I communicate is it works and the customers love it, but it doesn't work for you, my boss, because I'm not saying some words quite the way you want me to say words. So you decide that it's, I'm not ready to be promoted. So you tell me all the things I have to do to be promoted. I do all those things, but darn, you know, there was this other person that you like because you've been out golfing with that person. They get promoted instead of me. And it follows throughout the whole, the whole system. So uh, from a talent management perspective, why African-Americans often do not stay in organizations, particularly by the time they get to, if they make it to middle management, there's always wonder, well, why did they leave? We were treating them so well. No, because African-Americans very often don't get the feedback they need in order to do an effective job. And they definitely don't get mentored the same way their white counterparts do. Now, it's not out of malice of intent. It's because the white mentor is more comfortable with somebody else who's white. So you have to intentionally disrupt that right. biased behavior. And not that you confuse me, but you went back to using the term African-American again, <laughs> <laughs> instead of just black person. And, yes. um, but we get so it. Let me tell you why. Okay. Because we, we've got several listeners and you can't ever be totally right. So what I do is I use black sometimes, I use African-American sometimes. So if yep. there's someone out there that doesn't like one, I'm using the other one and they realize that I'm sensitive. They're only gonna like you half as much. No, <laughs> I, uh, you need to love her all as much. We are running out of time, I, you know, and normally I ask you for the one thing you want us to, to leave with, but I have a question and this may be the perfect one thing to summarize it. What actions can leaders take to better be advocates and build respect and inclusivity in the workplace? So this yes. is my one big takeaway here. Okay, and I'm glad you said advocate because advocate is more than ally. The ally is a person that will speak up in the moment when they might see something happen. Like we're in a meeting and you cut me off and that ally notices it and brings me back into the conversation. And advocate, is the person who will intentionally do things to disrupt bias and disrupt the barriers that they see. So they have decided, I'm going to find several ways to get rid of these barriers. So there's more of a commitment with advocate 
And if leaders want to change their organization, leaders must become the advocate by doing their personal work first, but then become the advocate for people in their organization. Well, well, I think you taught me well. And uh, first of all, wonderful interview. Thank you so much. And I just want to say one of the reasons we're doing this, which I would have done anyway, but you made it real clear that right after the George Floyd uh, murder, and I refer to it as a murder, not an incident, because that's exactly what it is. And um, we had a meeting and your meeting in that meeting, you said, please don't be silent. If you want to help be that advocate. And I hope that I'm doing my part. Uh, I hope this is so important to me and of course to you. And I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chef. This was fabulous. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We'll be back next week with another interview. So please come back. And until that time, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.